This is Truth and Focus, your radio program for worldview talk and issues that matter, with Josh Cumston and Gordon Teeson, broadcasting from the studio at Nebraska Christian Schools. Welcome to Truth and Focus. I'm Gordon Teeson, and I'm your host today for Truth and Focus. On today's program, we'll be listening to a message that Rod Gertson, the senior pastor at Countryside Bible Church near Hampton, Nebraska, gave at the Nebraska Christian Chapel. In fact, it was our last chapel of the school year. And so we'll be listening to that message. So with that, let's go to the message with Pastor Gertson. Thank you very much. Well, it's good to be with you and to tell you some things about the Word of God. As I was thinking about this, I wondered, what do I say? Where do I go? There's a lot of stuff between Genesis and Revelation. So uh, I read through the Bible every year, and I I follow a uh, pattern that's very easy to do. It's called read through the Bible in a year. It's got it all right there, because I know that if I don't have it right by my desk, the first thing I know, you get it shoved off. I know that Probably some of you are thinking you ought to read your Bible every day, but just the fact that you have to get up and go get it is enough to discourage you. But for many years now, I've been reading through the Bible every year and reading the Old Testament, a couple chapters, one chapter in the New Testament, read through the Psalms twice and Proverbs once. Very good way to do it. Every day's marked, you know just where to go. Some days you get a lot out of it. Some days you just kind of do it. And uh, But God's Word is powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And the Bible says, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who needs to, not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of truth. So yesterday, my story is the one I want to share with you because the Bible says the Old Testament was written so that we could find out some examples on how to live or not to live. And so the Old Testament has a lot of neat stories in it. I'm going to tell you a story that is found in the book of Judges, and it's found in chapter 10. So if you take your Bibles, if you have them, or your phones or your iPads, or whatever you might have, and uh, follow suit. I have Bible studies every week with men, and I say, turn to the Bible, and up pops a phone. And uh, they all do it by phone or iPad anymore. Men, I think, prefer phones. I think the women like their iPads, or maybe it's the other way around. I don't know. But I want to talk to you about a guy who had zeal without knowledge. Judges chapter 10, that familiar character called Jephthah. And in Jephthah chapter 10, verse 6, we read about him, and we find out that he lived in a time that was really a very low time in the state of Israel. The children of Israel were up and down like a yo-yo. One minute they're high spiritually, and the next few years they're low uh, down. And when they get into these uh, down times, when the judges rule, and, uh, and then they don't rule, and then the first thing you know, they start following false religions, and the next thing you know, they're oppressed by their enemy. In this case, this is the sixth time in the book of Judges, that the people turned away from God. When you and I turn away from God or the people turn away from God, we commit sins, and sin, no matter what it is or what degree it is, is always insanity. 
I guess the thing that concerns me over the years as I've uh, been in this, this kind of thing, preaching and so forth and so on, is that when I see people start, quit reading their Bible, start to just live their own way and kind of have a modicum of spirituality or they go to chapel because that's the thing to do or whatever, one of the things that bothers me is that during these times when they're down, they're liable to make some kind of cockamamie decision that is going to really foul them up for life. And so uh, it, it is important that you keep these periods uh, really short, as, as Gordon read the Psalm 51, that you come to Christ and you confess your sin, for he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we keep these down times, and you're going to have them, all of us do, you keep these down times to a minimum. So uh, they had seen the disaster of Ambimelech, the previous chapter, and they were now hemmed in by two enemies. They had the Philistines on the west, on the Mediterranean Sea, and on the east now they had the problem of the Ammonites. And so they're looking for a way out. In Judges chapter 10, verse 6, we read, The people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and served Baals and Ashtaroth, the gods of the Syria, the gods of Sidon, the gods of Moab, the gods of Ammonites, the gods of the Philistines, and they forsook the Lord and did not serve him. Seven false religions. Man, how easy it is when you're walking with the Lord to pick up some idiotic idol or idiotic God or some false teaching and follow it. Now, after 18 years of being conquered, they cried out to the Lord. And in Judges 10:13 we read, Yet you forsaken me and served other gods, therefore I will save you no more. Uh, God is sick and tired of the fact that they keep falling off the ledge, that they keep craw crawling away from him, and then when they get in a jam, they want to come back. I know many times in my own life I've sometimes strayed away and I've thought to myself, I'm coming back in prayer and I feel like i got to apologize because I haven't been there for a while. But in this case, God says, you know, I've had it up to here. This, I'm done. However, we read in verse 15, And the people of Israel said to the Lord, We've sinned. Do to us whatever seems good to you. Only please deliver us this day. Hey, we're desperate shape. We're really crying out to you. I know that we have uh, abused everything, but hey, I'm crying out to you. Look what happens in the next verse, verse 16. So they put away the foreign gods from among them and served the Lord, and he became impatient over the misery of Israel. Literally, that reads in the Hebrew, his soul reached the limit of endurance with the trouble of Israel. I, I, I just can't handle this anymore. I've got to intervene. After all, they did put away the seven false religions. They did repent of that sin. Now, there's two words that are very important when we come to repentance, and uh, that is there's a word such as remorse. I'm sorry I got caught. Or I am genuinely changing my mind about my behavior. I'm changing my mind about life. I'm repenting, and I'm coming to you. A lot of times, you know, as a parent, I, we had five uh, children and three boys, and uh, 
we had to often decide, are they repenting or are they just sorry they got caught? Uh, we could, you could tell usually when one of them got caught and he was just sorry he got caught or when he really did repent and there was a change of mind. Repentance touched the heart of God. And in verse 18, the people, the leaders of Gilead said to one another, Who is a man who will go fight against the Ammonites? He shall be head over all the inhabitants of Gilead. If we can find a man that will come and fight for us, then we'll give him a carte blanche of all the things he can lead here in Gilead. So in verses 1 to 3 of chapter 11 of Judges, we find that guy. Now Jephthah, the Gileadite, was a mighty warrior. He was the son of a prostitute. Gilead was the father of Jephthah. And Gilead's wife also bore him sons. And when his wife's sons grew up, they drove Jephthah out and said to him, You shall not have an inheritance in her father's house, for you are the son of another woman. Then Jephthah fled from his brothers and lived in the land of Tob, and worthless fellows collected around Jephthah, and he went out with them. He got thrown out of his own house because his father had committed a sin with a prostitute, and he was born. But you got to hand it to the father. At least he took the child in, and he reared him. However, other children came along, and he was the black sheep of the family, and they threw him out. Uh, you talk about a bad home You talk about a bad home life. He had it. Maybe some of you don't have too hot of a home life either. Maybe some of you have great. But you know, it doesn't really make any difference. When God gets a hold of your life, it really doesn't make any difference what kind of background you had. I was the least likely in our high school to ever go into the ministry. And, if somebody, and some of them have even told me, you were the least likely. Yet underneath it all, kind of interesting, I always knew this is what I was going to do. But So it isn't always the top dog on the totem pole that gets the choice. It can be any one of you. And so his mother was a common prostitute. That was against him. He was unwanted. He was bullied. <laughs> You're out of here, buddy. Talk about being bullied. He was reared by his father. His younger half-brothers drove him out, which tells us a little lesson. God is not limited by race. He's not limited by color. He's not limited by parental or background or any human prejudice. So you've been bullied. So what? God can still use you. And even all those lessons that you learn at this time in life, God turns around and has a way to use those and to use those things in your life later, as we shall see. Uh, David said, For my father and mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Psalm 27, 10. In verses 4 to 11, we find uh, Jephthah. He's kind of a Hebrew Roman, what should I say, a Hebrew Robin Hood. He went around for hire with his worthless little band. He found a bunch of guys probably hanging around town, with nothing to do, and he said, hey, I, we can make some money. We can defend people against the, uh, against the Ammonites. We'll fight these little things. We'll have our own little security company. You pay us a certain amount of money. We'll make sure your car, we'll make sure your grocery store, we'll make sure your farm is not raided. When I was in, uh, in Honduras, we had to park our car, but we always had to pay somebody. 
There was always a guy or two standing on the block that we would pay, and he would guarantee our car would not be broken in or stolen. And if you probably didn't pay him, he would probably break in and steal him, so you might as well pay him. The Hebrew Robin Hood, he had many gifts and talents. Now look, he ran around with these worthless bunch of guys, but we do find out that Jephthah uh, learned how to lead people. If you can lead these guys, you can lead anybody. So Jephthah learned to lean on God. God uses the talents and gifts he gives you in high school, he gives you in college, he gives you a long time, even before you hit adulthood and even before you, I pray, go into the ministry. I had a high school, my, one of our uh, grandchild, a high school senior, is graduating this Saturday from a school in Kansas. He was honorable All-American, or not All-American, but All-State in his class. And he walked into his dad's study the other day and said, you know, Dad, I've been thinking about it. He had some scholarship to some smaller schools. He said, I think I'll pass on those, and I think I'll become an English major and get into the ministry. Now, I think all that sports stuff and everything he learned was to his advantage. He learned how to get hit. He learned how to hit. He learned how to all to do these things. And all those things that you and I have to go through is not useless or worthless. And even if people picked on you and didn't like you or you were the most popular kid in class, the VMOC, big man on campus, it really doesn't make any difference. God will provide. God uses those talents. The other thing we see about Jephthah, he was available. You see, the thing that is required of us is that we be found faithful. In 1 Corinthians 4, 2, it says, Moreover, it is required of a stewards that they be found faithful. And that's what God wants you to be in high school. He wants you to be the best high school student you can be. We're not all A students, but you can be the best you can be. When you go out for a sport, you can't maybe not be the number one uh, kid in the school, but you can put all your effort into it. That's all God asked for you. God asked for us at least to give it a 100% try, not sit around and mope. Our responsibility is doing God's will where I am and to be teachable at any age. Judges 11.11, we read about Jephthah, went with the elders of Gilead, and the people made him head over them, and he, Jephthah, spoke all these words before the Lord at Mizpah. What's interesting about Jephthah in the book of Judges is he uses the personal name of God more than any other judge in the whole book. Now, Judges covers at least 400 years. It's a long period of time. But here's one guy who is a misfit in many ways who used, who knew God personally. And he's a diplomat in verses 28 and 22 to 28. He's going to go fight the Ammonites. He, and Jephthah reveals his knowledge about Israel's history. And before he fought with the Ammonites, he asked, what's the problem here? Why are we in this battle? Why are you coming to battle us? So in verse 12, Jephthah sent messengers to the king of the Ammonites, and he said, What do you have against me that you've come to fight in my land? And the king of the Ammonites, in verse 11, answered in the message to the messengers of Jephthah, Because Israel, on coming from Egypt, took away my land from the Arnon to the Jabbok and to the Jordan. Now therefore, restore it peaceably. We, this land you're living on is our land. Now, 
Jephthah reminds the king that we took the land from Sihon, the Amorites, not the Ammonites. The land was a gift from God, and we cannot deliver it. You live in the land your God, Chemos, gave you, which is to the east of the Dead Sea. You've got your land over there. You see, it was a custom in those days to think that wherever their land was, God, their God, small g, idol, their God had given them the land. Chemos give you that land. Go stay in that land. God of Israel gave us this land. You know what I like about him? He stood up. He wasn't some wimp, but he stood up for the truth. And he's not going to back down. I'm sure that sometimes we get in a situation, it's very easy to fudge a little bit. It's very easy to slip a little bit. It's very hard to say no and mean it. I kind of enjoy that in some ways. People call me and say, okay, we're a small church here and south of Hampton, Nebraska, and people call me, and when I got there, there wasn't anybody in that church below 25 years old in that church. There wasn't anybody there whatsoever. No nursery, no Sunday school. We didn't have to worry about any of that stuff. Now it's all changed, but people call me, and they'll say, hey, we've got this wonderful book on how to raise money. Would you like that book? I say, no, I already have one. Really? Yeah, it's the greatest thing in the world. Well, who wrote it? I said, the Holy Spirit, it's the Bible. I guess you don't want my book. No, I really don't. The Bible tells me everything I need to know. It tells me everything I need to live. It tells me exactly how to live. It tells me exactly how to run a church. So, so there's no point in backing down. Jephthah did not back down. He said no. In verses 29 to 33, he is enabled by the Spirit of God Verse 29, then the Spirit of the Lord was upon Jephthah, and he passed through Gilead and Manasseh, passed on to Mizpah of Gilead. From Mizpah of Gilead, he passed on to the Ammonites. He, by the Spirit of God, prevailed. Now, I don't know what tough thing is facing you, but we all face tough things. And I don't know what hard thing is tasting you, maybe as you're winding up school, maybe it's your final test. And I tell you, God doesn't give us answers that we haven't studied for, but I can tell you this, God can enable us to recall what we have studied. And God can, whatever the test may be, finding a job or whatever the deal is, whatever test you may find, God, the Holy Spirit, is able, if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, He is able to take you through it as He did here. If we could only end the story here. That would be a great place to end it. But I got another hour, so we'll go on. But for spiritual ignorance in verses 29 to 33. He bargained with God. In Judges 11.30 we read, And Jephthah made a vow to the Lord and said, If you will give me the Amorites into my hand, I will vow a vow to you that anybody comes through my door, I'll offer them to you. Now what a stupid thing to say. Why bargain with God? God knows everything. He knows the end from the beginning. God is fair. He is always fair in all his dealings. God is good. He does everything good. God is loving. Everything is loving. Everything is wise. Why bargain with him? As though you and I have some chip in our pocket 
you and I have some bargaining power with God. I'll do this if you do this. Why don't we just do what God says and let him take care of the rest? Well, I'm not sure I'm going to win. So God, if you do this, I'll do this. Just say, God, I'll do it. Do like Isaiah said, here am I, Lord, send me. I'm willing to go. I'm willing to do this. What an exciting life. What an exciting life. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for your welfare, not for evil, to give you a future and hope. That's God. He's got plans for you that are better than any plan you could come up with. Furthermore, the Bible says, it is a snare to say rashly, it is holy, and to reflect only after making vows. Proverbs 20, 25. Don't get into the vow-making thing. After all, they're only voluntary anyway. Judges eleven thirty one. Then whatever comes out from my door of my house to meet me when I return in peace from the Ammonites shall be the Lord's, and I will offer it up for a burnt offering. He's not talking about animal sacrifices. That would be one thing. The law of God strictly forbade human sacrifices. Leviticus 18.21 says, You shall not give any of your children to offer them to Moloch, and so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. We, we still have human sacrifices today, don't we? How about suicide bombers? They're sacrificing their, law, their, their lives for a false god. For Moloch. No, in this case, Allah. He just replaced him. How about the two guys in uh, Boston Marathon? They sacrificed their life for a false religion. Human sacrifice is still going on. God does not ask us to do that. He asks us to live our life for him, but we don't sacrifice for him. Well, zeal without knowledge is dangerous. Zeal without knowledge. Sometimes we run, I used to use this illustration, nobody even knows what I'm talking about now, like a chicken with its head cut off. That's an old, uh, people don't even know, hardly know what a chicken is, other than Kentucky, fried. But they run around, it gets like the guy that got on a horse and took off in 40 different directions. Had a lot of zeal, but he had no knowledge of what's going on. That's why you got to know the word. That's why you got to read the Word. That's why you got to listen to your Bible teacher. That's why you got to learn a little theology. Look at verses 34 to 35. Then Jephthah came to his home at Mizpah, and behold, his daughter came out to meet him with the tambourines and dances. She was his only child. Beside, he had neither son nor daughter. And as soon as he saw her, he tore his clothes. And said, Alas, my daughter, you have brought me very low. You have become the cause of great trouble to me. For I have opened my mouth to the Lord, and I cannot take it back. Boy, sometimes what we say and what we bargain with God, we regret. And he regretted it. Now, there's a lot of people that think that he didn't actually have to sacrifice her. She ran off in the hills and joined a convent and served the Lord all her life unmarried. Some people teach that. 
If you want to know what I think, you'll have to come back, ask me back. No, I'll tell you. I think he really went through the battle. I think he realized he made a horrible mistake. God had been good to him, and he's in the hall of faith in Hebrews 11. Jephthah. Why would you put a guy like that in the hall of faith? He's there because he honored God's word and his, and his way to him. However, there, is a, there was a way out. The way out is given to us in Leviticus 27. Chapter 27, I'll just read verse 2. Speak to the people of Israel and say to them that if anyone makes a special vow to the Lord involving the valuation of a person, he could pay it off. There was a payment and he could get out of that vow. You know what? He didn't know the word. It was written, Leviticus was written by Moses. He didn't know the word. Okay, lesson if you're not walking with God, you are in a position to make some really stupid mistakes. If you're here and God is not the first of your life, and he's not priority number one, let me tell you something. You're in a place where you can really foul it up. And sometimes those foul-ups have ramifications for life. You know what the best thing is? For you, as David prayed in his prayer, to have a contrite and humble heart. And as Isaiah says in Isaiah 65, to tremble at his word. Believe his word. I've talked to people your age. I've talked to people older. And I say to myself as they're pouring out their heart, how can somebody so young get themselves in so much deep water. Stick to this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and all your ways. Acknowledge him. Let us pray. Father God, uh, we don't know what this day holds. I'm sure the person that was in the accident had no clue when he got up this morning that he'd be in a car accident. And I'm sure, Father, that whatever happens today, we don't know what's going to happen, but we know if we love you and know you, we're called by your spirit. We know that all things will work together for good to them that love you. And we know, Father, that whatever screwball thing has happened in our life in the past, whatever thing we, we don't think is working, we know, Father, that you can work that out. For you said you have begun a good work in us, will complete it. So help us, Lord, to face our sin to confess it, to trust you, and to walk with you from here on. Be with the students here, Lord. I pray that you use every one of them, and may the Spirit of God use your, his word to speak to their heart. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. You've been listening to a message by Pastor Rod Gertson. He's the senior pastor at Countryside Bible Church in Hampton, Nebraska. The mission of Nebraska Christian Schools is to empower students for a life of enduring commitment to Christ, biblical fidelity, moral integrity, intellectual growth, and a lasting contribution to the kingdom of God. Well, this wraps up the program today. You've been listening to Truth and Focus. For my co-host, Josh Cumston, this is Gordon Thiessen. 
Thanks for joining us as we encourage, engage, and equip Christians in today's culture war while bringing the truth in focus.